don't know what that is. Okay, so we are on. All right, you ready? <coughs> yeah, let's go. Okay, three, two, one. We are live. So, welcome to the Hive. This is your host Brian Wright, and I've got Mike D, one of our, I guess I'll say long term at this point <laughs> students. How many? How long have you been training with us? Uh, close to six years now. Yeah, six years. That's a decent amount of time. Yeah, that's it. It's got to be longer than that. You came in before Carl, didn't you? Nah, I was here when I started here. I was sixteen. Was Carl with us yet? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Back when Mo Money was still here. <laughs> yep, Mo Money. Back in Asbury. Yep. One of the interesting things that's coming up in 2018 is that in March of 18, it is uh, 20 years. You've been doing this for 20 years? It's 20 years. So 20 years of running my own gym. What is that, 98? March of 1998, I got started. Wow, well, congrats, man. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, Mike, you started with us when you were 16, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, nobody knows who you are. I don't think anyone really cares either because no. you're just Mike. I'm just Mike. You're Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I have you on today because like, you're basically, I asked a favor of you and you're like, only if I could be on the podcast, so here yep. you are. Yep, I finagled my way on here. <laughs> you, you finagled your way. What did I ask you to do? Uh, promote the podcast. <laughs> 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 wow, I didn't even remember that. Okay, that's interesting. But seriously, though, uh, I don't think it's. I, I think there's value to actually having you on here. It doesn't matter that you're not famous in any way. You've never done anything fantastic, but you've no. done things that are probably worth talking about. You've actually fought for us. I have twice. Twice, and uh, you got started when you were 16. I I remember you came here. I don't remember the exact day. It was fucking Valentine's I don't remember day. the exact... You remember that. I don't even yeah. remember that. But I remember, like, you came because nothing else you were doing was really kind of floating your boat. You you were not finding any other, like, sports that were filling some kind of need. Yeah, so uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I started wrestling. Well, I, I wrestled in, like, elementary school a couple times, but I stopped. And then sophomore year, I tried to pick it back up again. And I just hated wrestling. I always hated wrestling, but I liked, like, the one-on-one aspect of it and like the the grittiness of you know the combat but wrestling just wasn't my thing so i, I quit that and then i always hated that i quit that because i quit it in like the first week and i really I, I hated that you know and like going to the gym by myself i hated lifting i still hate lifting honestly i hate other sports so then i was like you know i just want to try this i found you on the, the internet came here and i never looked back were you into mma when you got started no not at all really you weren't into mma no i was like just starting to get into it but i i didn't really watch fights or anything Wow, so how the hell did you look us up? Like that's that's the part to me. I thought you were a fan first. So you actually became a fan once you started training. Yeah, I mean like I guess you could say I was a fan. Like I didn't watch it like I do now. Like now I watch I know everything that goes on, I you know. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you're you're a super fan. Now. Yeah, I got like six different apps on my phone to check it all the time. But uh <laughs> did, I, did, did I ask you how many apps you have? No, but no. I told you. Yeah. So you aren't did. you glad you know? <laughs> yeah, so is the whole world. We're excited now. <laughs> yeah. Not, just don't start naming the apps. Here we go. Bleach report. Yeah. <laughs> so you re- okay? So what? What made you say okay? I'm gonna go look for a place like this. I wanted something different, man. Um, but yeah. what? But why this different? That's my. That's just the curiosity. Like what? What was the different? You so, you know the right. group school sports thing's not working. But why did you want to do this different? Because you could have gone and you could join 
you can play chess. You can have gone and boxed. You could have played tennis. You could have done. You could have played video games. You could have played Call of Duty until your eyes bleed. You I know? did play video games, but that's only that's only satisfying to a certain degree. Okay. And I get fat doing that, and I did not like being fat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It was it was something different, and I thought it was cool. You know, because honestly, cool. for me, I started training when I was six, so it was I was a lot younger than you, but it was the same kind of situation where. I watched a lot of kung fu theater on Saturdays, and I played other sports, you know. But I was sick, so I wasn't like, you know, doing anything too crazy. Right. But at the same time, my parents were kind of like, um, "We'd like to have you do a little bit more of something, anything." And I remember because I had this kung fu theater addiction. Like Saturdays, there used to be the Big Apple movie, and they used to play all these crazy Hong Kong Bruce flicks. Lee. Yeah, and I we literally no, it wasn't even Bruce Lee. It was like. Pre-Bruce Lee, it was like the really shitty ones. It's like the really, like the Shaolin monk, like Shaolin versus Ninja right. and all the weird shit they used to do. So my parents wanted me to do something more and they picked out, uh, I think it was the Atlanticville newspaper and there was an ad for Atlantic Karate Academy and they took me there and it basically came my life. So yeah, it's weird how we can end up in these things that become like such a big part of our life. and. Mm-hmm. People would think like, oh, you're a super fan, you were really into it or whatever. Uh, it's it's funny sometimes you just bump into these things. Yeah, I really just bumped into a guy. I saw there was a three-day trial. I had my mom drive me, and the whole way she was freaking out. She's like, oh, we're in the projects at Asbury. I'm never driving you out here, blah, blah, Did one practice, and I was like, mom, you better get used to this. I'm coming here every day. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's yeah. cool. And then to go from that, which is pretty interesting, you did end up fighting twice. And I don't think you ever had aspirations to fight, like, how long ago was that? Was it like two years ago now? My last fight? Yeah. No, your first fight was how many years ago? I was three? Like two and a half years ago. Okay. It was April of 2015. No, 2014. April 2014. So it was four plus years before you decided that you wanted to actually compete. Mm-hmm. So you really just got into this for the training aspect of it and... Just evolved into something great, man. I just liked it that much. Yeah. And you train. You've always trained consistently you were doing striking you were doing grappling you were doing a bit of everything yeah I loved what, it all. what was the what was the thing what did you love the most about it what was the thing that made you keep coming back i just liked that there was someone else pushing me you know like you're drilling with someone like drilling with someone like stein or carl like mm-hmm. they keep pushing you and they keep pushing you it's that was like, gary back in the day too and gary especially yeah, yeah you I and gary to, used to work really hard together yeah gary used to push me all the time it was awesome you know just Something, I needed something else to push me. Because going to the gym and lifting by myself, I'd do like three things. I'd be like, all right, fuck the rest of this. I'm not going to do the rest of the workout. But like, you know, being here and it was like, and not only that, but it was fun. Like, I hate lifting. I hate yeah. lifting. Like, I'll do 10 reps of bench press, but I hate every second of it. Here, I'll get punched in the face and I have a big old smile on my face. Like, I love this. Yeah, it, it's funny how that works that, you know, not everybody subscribes to the to the same recreational habits, I guess. And, I, and I'm not trying to make this like an infomercial for, you know, again, who we are and what we do. But right. I think more than anything, it's important for somebody out there that feels like weird because they don't want to do what the rest of the world says they should be doing to like, get in shape and mm-hmm. for what their hobbies and all that. That they're all, there are alternatives that you can fall in love with and you can change your life with. Yeah, right. Like it's not, this isn't like a school provided program. Like if I didn't go out and do the research on my own, I never yeah. would have came here. Yeah, and then too, it's funny. Uh, I have other people that I've trained that they 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 have this misconception about what it is that we do. I had one guy in particular. He literally drove by the location for six months before he walked in the door because he was afraid we were going to beat him up. <laughs> Isn't that like a boxing gym thing, though? 
Where it's like a shark mentality? I don't think that's any real gym. I think that's just what we watch in fucking movies or something. I don't know. But I don't know where that comes from because it's funny. when when uh, One of the greatest misconceptions about gyms that have fighters coming out of it is that people think that they're hammer houses, that you're going to go there and you're going to get beat up. Right. But they don't look at it and understand that if all we do is beat each other up, how are we going to be ready on fight day? And if you're a professional athlete and you're making your living doing this skill, why would you break yourself in the gym? And then be broken on fight day. Yeah, and then you can't make your money. You know what it is, too? This isn't an environment that you have any sort of like window into unless you come in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why it's like the bro science. Exactly, <laughs> it's yeah. It's the bro science. People see people being assholes in like retro fitness and they think we have the same mentality here but it's really not you know what i think it is i think it's that people are getting beaten up so like you're getting checked you know what i mean yeah you're getting put back in your place so many times that you just become a much calmer much more relaxed person it's funny too uh, what's what's that movie actually perenny nick perenny is another guy who trains here he started training with us because he watched the movie was it never back down yeah that was a great movie I actually have never seen the movie, but he actually gave me the DVD on it and hoping I would watch it. And he was like, this is the movie that made me want to train here. And I think it actually is all the bro sign stuff that I'm like going against here. I, it, was, it was a movie I loved before I started training. And then once I actually started training and I watched it again, I, I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> it's so stupid. They don't wear mouthpieces. It's just no one ever wears. It's just so much stupid things. Like they fight in like a parking lot. Like remember that video that people pass around? It's like, oh, like a army vet knocks a guy out. But oh, it's really just a yes, scene from yes, the movie. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's really funny. Yeah. That is funny. Uh, one thing with your story that I found most interesting was that I like coming across this community in a lot of ways – and I know this because we've talked about it. You you found um, you found the strength you needed to do things outside of here as well. So oh, yeah. when you came here, you didn't really have a definitive idea. Who knows if you even have a definitive idea right now? But there was, you know, young people. I mean, how old are you now? I'm 21. So you're still really young. But one of the traps that people run into is that they feel like, especially when you're in high school. Everyone's telling you you have to get good grades, you have to go to college, you have to study, you have to do this, right. and like you know, and then you're gonna graduate college, and then you're gonna get a job, and you're gonna work nine to five, and then you're gonna have a car, and then you're gonna have a house, and then you get married, and then you have a dog and a kid, and whatever. It's like everyone's got this preset plan that yeah. they they have, and it's very difficult when you're young if you don't have experience outside of that that bubble which you've been raised in to to really understand that there's alternatives to that. And you get then, forced into that that path too, you know. Yeah, and then. If you're in there and you don't even see that there's other paths, then even if you see it, that bubble in a lot of ways takes away the strengths and the in the sense of independence that you need to go and follow those paths. See, for me, I, 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 you know me, I'm rough. Like yeah. I go the alternative path <laughs> by choice every time. Yeah. I, you know, everyone else is going right. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go left and see what happens. But yeah. that's just me. But I think the value of the relationships I have with like guys like you, when you came in and you were young and you were kind of trying to figure things out, I'm not saying you have to go the alternative path, but you have to go the path of your choosing. Right. You can't go your parents' path. I think it's good to go the the road less taken, if you will, just because it's like just because you get to see things from the other side, you know. Because you know you might think that that's the only way to do it. That's the only way, even though you're not. That's not really what you want to do. You're going to do that anyway because other people are telling you to do it. And I feel like doing something like this really helps you. Like you're saying, it helps you realize that there are alternatives to that path, you know? Yeah, and you know, the the one thing about training that I like the most is it's not even just the training. The training is what 
is the platform in which you develop the relationships. But because training is such an honest thing when done right, your relationships are different. Mm -hmm. So we have a trust with each other that you wouldn't necessarily have the same depth to outside of here. There's oh. a lot of people that we know in the world, but we don't trust them with our safety in the same way we do here. <laughs> you have a different you know? relationship with someone when you've been in numerous sparring sessions with them. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just it's it's um, it's this guy Simon Sinek. He he's really cool. Uh, he's the one he did that that YouTube video about millennials that like freaking five billion views at this point about millennials and why they are the way they are or whatever if you if you haven't seen them look up simon Sinek. i don't know how to spell it figure it out um, that's what google's for but he did a speech he works a lot with the military and the one thing he was talking about he goes there's a reason why people in the military call each other brother and sister it's because they're willing to die for each other mm-hmm. they've they've literally made a commitment to have a job which it may be mandatory for them to pick up a weapon and defend each other. Yeah, that's a bond you can't get anywhere else. And that's in a, and I'm not trying to compare myself to the military here with training, but there is a brotherhood in sparring. And especially if you choose to be a competitive athlete, or not even being the competitor, but being one of the people that helps the person that competes get ready, that relationship is something very different than what a lot of people experience yeah giving sacrificing yourself just yes. to help someone else get better it's huge you can say the same thing about like a cop or like a fireman like yep the relationship you have you're literally depending on them for your life when you when you physically depend upon somebody to be there for you that's when those deeper terms come into play and that's why no matter what anybody says martial arts schools are businesses and that's why the family thing gets it's a little hard for me to deal with at times because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, it's my family. I'm like, well, stop paying your monthly tuition and let's see if that's your daddy anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like people get a little weird with that. But the bond that you create with the people that you train is definitely has a, has a familiar bond to it as a family feel because, you know, you guys literally sacrifice for each other to help each other get better. And, and you know, that's one of the really special things. And all of that stuff is what gives us we beat each other up. That's probably the wrong term, but we push each other. <laughs> we push each other here so that we can be stronger outside of here. We push each other here so nobody else has the ability to push us around outside of here in a lot of ways. It's like an anti-bullying thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, you don't let the you don't let the social norms that other people have get in the way of what it is you want to do because you've got confidence from, you know, what we do to each other. And mental strength, that is huge. Now, I do know you you've taken was it two or three cracks at college? Are you on your second or third? I'm on my third college. Yeah, because didn't you you went to Brookdale? So I started out at University of Rowan. That's right, and then you came back and went to Brookdale. And then went to Brookdale and now I'm at Rowan. Okay. And that ties directly into what we're talking about, and I think that's the message that if I want to get anything out there from what we talk about today, it's the having the confidence to kind of go where you want, but then really starting to understand what you want and then putting taking steps to really get there and then end up in a place where you're comfortable and happy and feel like you're making progress. Because I remember when you first went to school, you went because everyone's telling you you have to go to school. Yeah. And it was like the thing to do. Because I remember we had a conversation. You were like, I have no idea what the fuck to do. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. You know? I really didn't. And honestly, I was not ready for it. I should have I should have started out at Brookdale. Because I was not ready to go away and live on my own. And yeah, I had a lot of issues there. But the thing is, having the ability to realize that you made a mistake 
and then taking the steps necessary to take a better next step, mm-hmm. which then gave you the ability to take a even better next step. And now you're in a position where you feel like you're in a more positive path. You don't even have to tell me that. I just see it. Yeah. I, I Just in knowing you, the place you are today versus where you were when you graduated high school, you're like a completely different human being. <laughs> I am a completely different person. Yeah. I couldn't be happier where I am right now. Yeah. And, it, and the best part about that is it's because of your choices, not because you're not happy because someone put you in a good position. And told me that I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're happy because you're really happy. Like you did it for you Mm -hmm. and that's the strongest part about it and i think that's the coolest thing about where you're at and if you can replicate that when you leave school and in every step you have going forward i mean there's no limit to what you can achieve and that's the best part of this and that's the message i think a lot of people feel like they're pigeonholed they feel like they can't make decisions for themselves they feel like they have to do what their parents want them to do and do what their friends are doing. And it even gets even worse than that, where it's not even your parents and your friends as much as you start falling into a trap of defining success based upon what other people say. Beyond even people you know, it's that's where you know the YouTubes and stuff get you in trouble, where you start <laughs> to watch other people and you start defining yourself upon what you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it with fighting all the time, where I, we get the guy come in, we laugh all the how many times do we see the guy come in and we're like, stop watching fucking YouTube and just do what I'm telling you to do? Oh, 100%. People who come in, remember the guy who came in? He's like, yeah, I want my Rocky moment where I get punched in the face. And you're like, that's not how real life works. Rocky is a movie. Sylvester Stallone honestly is responsible for a tremendous amount of people losing brain cells. I am one of them because <laughs> I was sitting on a couch. I was 34 years old. I was sitting on a couch. I was into my seventh beer. I was eating... I just finished a quesadilla and was getting ready to eat four tacos, and I got a call from a fight promoter while I was watching the last Rocky Balboa, the last one he did before Creed, whatever. And I was watching that movie, and I'm like all hyped up, and a guy asked me uh, if anybody was available, and I was like, how much, what's the, how much money and what weight? And I was like, I'm four pounds out. Fuck it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. It, 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 Impulse. It, it's stupidity. It's stupidity. <laughs> that was really just a dumb thing to do. It was okay. I mean. Did you win? No. no. <laughs> the tacos got to you? Jesus. I literally didn't train for years. And then I, I remember I called up Dave Church and I was like, Dave, um, we have to go to Lang City on Friday. He's like, yeah, it's, I think it was called Battle Cage Extreme. He's like, yeah, it's Battle Cage Extreme. When we get tickets, I'm like, no, you're going to be ringside. He's like, oh, you got ringside tickets? I'm like, no, I'm going to be fighting. He's like, what? I'm like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> Beer, Rocky, Mexican food. It's an just, addiction. I'm going to do it. Why not? And he was like, all right, um, I'll be in the gym in like two hours. He literally showed up at like one o'clock in the morning and we put me through a, a workout. I was half drunk and really fat. And uh, he was like, you're dead. I was like, I know. I'm so screwed. What the hell did I do? But whatever. It, it was nuts. Hey, um, you got paid. That's all that matters. Um, not enough. <laughs> I'm trying to just find the bright side here. No, the bright – look. I say it all the time with me and my career, and if you look at the decisions I make in my, from time to time, um, I do it for me. Like I didn't fight because I wanted to beat another human being. I just wanted to fight. Like it was, I hadn't done it in a while. Um, it's fun, man. I just wanted to do it. I for me, it wasn't even the fun aspect. There's an introspective process. There's something about. Cut, I didn't really have to cut weight. I cut four pounds. It was like take a shit, and don't eat for 24 hours, and yeah. you're good. But to step in against another human being and just 
you know, get locked in the cage, deal with the pressure. Because the pressure is the hardest part. It's not even the fight. Fights are easy. It's the pressure leading up to it that's so hard. Yeah. This was really short as a just like, boom, you're, you got to do this. Okay. And then it was a couple of days of like freaking the fuck out and then got in the cage, did my thing. I got choked out. A kid called me to guillotine, picked me up off the floor. I remember Dan Murgler, I was like, you okay? And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Snoring. <laughs> yeah. I actually woke up in the cage and, uh, so I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Dave, why the fuck's he got the TV on? I gotta get sleep. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I think, wait a minute. And then I look, and there's a light in my eye, and then there's a doctor, and I'm like, oh man, I think I got choked out. You forgot you were fighting? Oh, I, I thought I was in the hotel room the night before. Oh my god, I didn't that's remember terrible. anything. And the and the doctor looks at me, and he's like, you know, you okay? And they're asking me questions, and I said, did I get choked out? And he's like, yeah. And I was like. Did I tap? He's like, no. I was like, fucking A, I didn't tap. I was like, good for me. I was so proud of myself for not tapping. But And it was funny because I had a guy um, bitch tapped a week before, and I was really mad at him. And I, That was I, your counter argument right there. And I was like, you know, unless it's going to break or you're going to die, why are you tapping? You keep fighting until you get out or you go out. And then a week later, I did it. I was like, all right, a little... At least you practice what you it. preach, you know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone kind of knows that with me, but I, I mean, look, I'm very. It, it's not even impulsive, man. For me, it's it's uh, the 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 challenge is 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 it for me, and I and I don't like to take. I'm not one of these guys that I'm going to jump out of a plane like Carl. Like Carl's gone skydiving. I'm not doing that. I will do that. I don't. Day. I don't want to do that. I don't want to jump out of a plane. Well, but I'll fight a guy on no notice because I'm stupid. But that I'll do. Like that to me is like that's a risk versus reward that I can. I can deal with, but yeah, that's just that. me. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to but, go in there completely unprepared. But again, I mean, my my whole thing with we were talking about how Sylvester Stallone basically has ruined a generation of people that think head contact is not a big deal. Which what's really crazy about it too is I really do know guys that are I would call from the Rocky generation guys that like you know were in high school or early teen years when uh, Rocky Four came out and you think like you can take punches from Ivan Drago and not die. You'll no. die. Francis Zingano is probably the closest thing to a real life. Yo, he's scary. Yeah, but he's probably the closest thing to a real life Drago we've got. And he knocked out Alistair Overeem with one punch and like flew his head back. Almost killed him. And right there it goes to show you that like Alistair wasn't getting up, taking an eight count and fighting back. Like head trauma is a real thing he was out for a while too yeah he was out for a while that was scary yeah his toes were curled you knew he was in trouble when you looked and you saw his feet were pushed down and his toes were curled that was kind of scary yeah he stiffened him up i don't know i i don't know how miosic's gonna do but if miosic can take him down i think he'll ground and pound him to death but i don't think that's gonna happen because if you watch the alistair fight alistair tries to push him to the cage and engano just lightly just turned and threw him into the cage he's a big yeah, guy yeah but but Al, but when guy. have you ever seen alistair have any real clinch or wrestling like mark moving hunt. the body game you know okay taking down mark hunt my son can probably trip him no not take him i don't know about taking him down but like in the clinch he was able to no, work him but worked him in the clinch but a physical clinch like a a, a wrestling style like really physically moving a guy down Getting yeah. in the clinch, working inside, pulling a head down and dropping a knee is one thing. But I'm talking about wrestling, like wrestle fuck clinch, like <laughs> you know, like working in, picking somebody up, turning them off the fence, driving them into the fence. Yeah, that's you not know, style. that's like he doesn't. Ha- I don't see that. But I see Miosic having the ability if if he gets underneath those punches and gets inside. 
I see him wrestle fucking him again. And that's the only way I think he's going to win if he see... Because, like, Ngannou doesn't look like a guy who can go five, five-minute rounds, you know? What's going to happen if he takes him down, gets back up, and he gets real tired? And I think that's when Miosa starts to win in, like, the late rounds, you know what I mean? That's I, I think so, too. I think that if this fight goes into deeper waters, if this goes third, fourth round, that's when we're going to realize, you know, what's he made of. I think I'm going to say Ngannou's got more cardio than we give him credit for, but... I don't know if he has enough well-rounded skills to deal with a freight train like Miosic. Miosic is like this, as blue-collar a fighter as you could ever get with yeah, a chin is. like a rock. Yeah. You know, that's this is a tough fight for anybody at heavyweight. The fight I would have wanted to have seen was a young, healthy Cain Velasquez versus Miosic. He's just done, right, Cain? Do you ever see him really coming back and doing anything? Because the I, injuries are just piling up for him. I heard he's, like, building houses in Arizona. Like, I don't... I yeah. just don't see him coming back. I mean, when, and it's the risk versus reward situation. Usually, when you see a guy late in life coming back, because I mean, at this point, I mean, he's got. I don't know how old he is. He's got to be in his mid to late thirties now. So that's late in a fight life. Kenya to come back at that point, you only come back because you need the money. Mm-hmm. And the, it sucks too because the glory's over at that point. There's no more glory happening. Yeah. You, you need the money. But if he's making money somewhere else, I don't see him coming back. Yeah, and it sucks, too, because you see him when he returned against Travis Brown. He looked great. Looked amazing. Looked amazing. Murked him. And yep. he does that to almost everyone he fights, with the exception of Verdum, I guess, would be the only person. I just think he has the wrong body for the style of training that he did. Like, I just think that he's one of those guys that just went too hard, and he just didn't have the joints that could do it. You know what I heard, too? If you look at his uh, strength and conditioning coach, the videos you put up of Keith Oh, my God. Terrible form, right? Oh, my yeah. God. Well, I don't I, – you know what? The form thing, I get that. Like, you can talk about form, whatever. But I know a lot of guys um, – Arnold Schwarzenegger, even in when he wrote his encyclopedia on bodybuilding, he even had a section talking about how cheating is not really cheating and how form is imp- – important but when you're doing the heavy lifts and you're going deep you're bringing in more muscles when you're cheating and different things i've seen a value into a little bit of sloppy but not so sloppy that you're like destroying yourself the one that killed me with him it wasn't so much that he was sloppy it that he was sloppy for like 50 reps yeah and that three really minutes at a you. clip you know yeah. That's like Boss Rutten. Boss Rutten, it's like training ridiculous. Like Boss Rutten would get on the bag by his workouts. So if he was going to fight whatever the time limit was, by the time he was at like peaking in fight camp, he would be able to hit the bag at 100% for the duration of the fight. So That's if he was fighting for 15 crazy. minutes, he literally would go balls out for 15 minutes just like smashing the bag. And now he has no cartilage. He has a bad neck, a bad back, everything. Like you can't yeah. do that for no, 20 years. I mean, you can't do that for five years. I mean, my body's worn out because of full contact karate. Like the, the the way in which we trained, the the it was the intensity and duration of that intensity really was was hard. So you you, you have to bring some science into your training. So yeah, you got to train smart. And I hear they have Ngannou at the Performance Institute. Like Joe Rogan was saying, they have him like Ivan Drago, like like we were saying with all like the special machines and stuff. Like they're making sure he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, I I, I they've made it. You know, the thing is with that performance center, we went out there and, man, I don't know why everybody doesn't move to Vegas. I mean, even Carl and I have looked at each other a couple times like, if we didn't have young kids, we'd probably be living there. Like, that place is yeah. amazing. You don't have to pay. It's a state-of-the-art facility. you got everything. And it's not even just the facility, but it's the doctors and the 
coaches, like they have strength and conditioning coaches, you have physical therapists, you have massage therapists. You can't beat, you can't beat that. And then all the technology that they have in the gym. They have an octagon that you go in there. Did you ever see in the movies when they do that, like, you know, they freeze them and then they go 360 around them? You know, like in movies. like Yeah, like a freeze, like the Matrix. Yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah. They have that. You can do that for your sparring sessions. So literally they have like all these crazy cameras and devices and you literally can sit there and you have like a scroll ball and you like scroll around yourself and you can see exactly where you are. That's amazing. It's it's amazing. Do we really need that? I don't know, but... But there's probably some value I to mean, having that. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing... I guess if you're doing the same mistake over and over and you're not believing you need to see it, I guess. Um, I'm a little bit anim- more animalistic with my training in that way. You know, I think... <laughs> oh, I'm aware. Well, that... I just I feel that all that technology is great. I think you can talk about technique all day long, and you have can have the greatest strategy. But when it comes down to it, when you lock two human beings in the cage, the guy that you have to have the technique, you have to have the ability to actually do this at a high level. Mm-hmm. But what's going to separate is always going to be the mind, and it's just going to be the ferocity that somebody has and the willingness to. It's not going to be the three sixty octagon camera. Yeah, that's not yeah. that's not going to be the reason. Like, no one's going to be like thanking the octagon camera. <laughs> you know, no coach is going to be like without that camera. No, <laughs> Greg Jackson gets on the mic. <laughs> yeah, well, he might. He's one of those guys that might. He he's so deeply philosophical. He might actually the go that deep camera. on that camera. That camera gave me the ability. <laughs> it gave you the ability to see stuff, but it didn't give your athlete the ability to like sack up and do what he had to do. Didn't give the John Jones the ability to kick Daniel Cormier's head into third row. I don't even want to talk about John Jones. Quite yeah, honestly, that's, that's a- I just want to. I, I I don't even want to act like he exists in this world anymore. He's such a disappointing human being. He could have been. Disappointing human he could have been way way more celebrated than Ali if he really just stuck stuck to the stuck to his discipline. And didn't get into all this trouble and all the steroids and whatnot. His it's his a shame. his talent, his natural ability is just off the charts. Yeah, but just that reckless behavior, just a lack of responsibility to forget about just himself, but to the sport, to the people that have been paying his bills. You know, this—that's the one thing. When when you are doing something well and it's paying off, and you know, I don't care if it's fighting or, like, say, you go get an education and your education's working for you. You don't turn around and say "fuck you" to your school when it's the reason you got your job. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like that doesn't make any you sense. You don't bite the hand that feeds. Yes. You. Yeah. You have to be respectful to you know your your history and you've got to be respectful to the people that have done things and are doing things and just how things are working out could you imagine being daniel cormier losing like no. that and then finding out no. that the guy cheated that's awful no it's awful i mean i even feel like whitaker whitaker right now is the undisputed middleweight champ because gsp gave up the belt but you know whitaker's going to sleep at night going i have to beat rockhold if whitaker doesn't beat rockhold you know he he'll never look at himself as have ever been a legitimate champ. You think so? Because he beat Yoel Romero. That's that's pretty big. I'm telling you f- from a fighter's perspective, if you didn't beat somebody for that belt or you didn't beat the man that had the belt, there's always questions. GSP beat Bisping. So what are you going to say? Robert belt. Whitaker couldn't have beaten Michael Bisping? I'm not saying that he could have, but you never know because he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He didn't yeah, but still, actually he do did it. beat the guy that Michael okay. Bisping didn't so, want to fight. You don't think Daniel Cormier goes to bed every night going, "God damn it, John Jones!" <laughs> like, okay, but that's he, different because John Jones actually beat him. Yeah, but we say, but they're not getting the fair fight. That's the problem. They don't have that 
there's no fight between them that we look at as like the even playing field fight because it's like now it's all in question was he dirty was he not dirty you know what is he on what is he not on does would he have had cardio i mean cormier sitting there i mean i i realistically can say if john jones cardio wasn't what it was Cormier may have been able to break him down, and maybe Jones wouldn't have been so fresh to land that kick. Who knows? I mean, so I'm just saying from the human perspective, we from the outside could say, oh, he should feel great about it. I don't think Whitaker should feel bad about anything. I don't think Cormier should lose any sleep over this. I think they've all done tremendous things. But I'm telling you from an individual with fight experience waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning with that weird doubt, we all have it. How many times do you want to like go and do your fights again? Uh, about once a day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just you have two amateur fights and you want to redo them every you day. Know, every day, I get furious whenever I watch any clips of me fighting. Yeah, furious. And, and so these guys are the same. It's no different. Yeah. I don't give a shit if you're an amateur with two fights or you're a pro with a hundred. It's the same, unless your brain's so battered you don't think straight. But yeah, you know, it's the same. It's the same stress. I mean, Carl looks back at things. I know certain fights bug him i mean we we all have that yeah you got to be your own worst critic at that level not don't have to be but like i feel like a lot of people are you know what i mean i yeah you have to be your own worst critic so that you stay motivated to keep doing the work but at some point you have to figure out how to live with what actually happened that's the hardest part that's why so many fighters come back that's why so many fighters go crazy yeah. You know, I think also I think we're finding out that brain trauma does play a lot more into things like impulsive behavior and whatnot. I mean, yeah. I heard somebody talking about the other day that John Jones may have taken you know some shots that have led. I mean, just the Gustafson fight alone, the amount of punches that were landed on him. Yeah, it was a brutal fight. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe there's things about the brain we don't know, and he's behaving the way he is because CTE or some shit. Who knows? Yeah, you, yeah, uh, it's you a, don't know. It's a clear possibility. You don't know. So I, I think it's I, – we were talking this uh, – Carl and I went on the PBR podcast, and we were, they were asking us, what do you think the future of fighting is? And in a lot of ways, it's like if, if society keeps evolving the way it is where we're finding out more and more things, fighting may end up being outlawed, and it might be you know some digital version of what we do, but I tr- don't think that will ever <laughs> Xbox happen. Xbox championships. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think humans will ever reject the opportunity to see – Two humans go at it. Dude, it's there's just, that primal instinct in everyone. They just want to see it happen. Yeah. Think about whatever a fight happens. How many people take out their phone to record it? And how many people don't go to stop it? And how many people watch, I mean, those highlight videos on YouTube? I mean, look at the view counts on these look things. Look at worldstarhiphop.com. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, people want to see... I mean, it, it's like you don't watch car racing because you think it's cool how fast they go. You're waiting for the accident. I mean, oh, yeah. people just want to see people get fucked up. It's weird. Yeah. I... I being in the sport for a long time, I guess I'm desensitized in a lot of ways to the – I have it. – it's really funny because what people think are the really hard hits. Like you, you know this too. You get kicked in the leg by, and it sounds, that big slapping sound. Yes, that deep that, thud. No, no, the slapping sound. When someone smacks you with the top of their foot, that one doesn't hurt. Right. But the one where they hit you with the shin and it's more of a thud versus a slap, that one really hurts. But because the sound is – bigger on the one everyone goes oh yeah, yeah. The uninitiated you know the the pure spectators like oh my god he just got cracked but then there's that subtle hit that really fucking hurt that they have no clue about yeah you know that so it's funny when i watch fights a lot of stuff that people are like oh my god i'm like ah 
Don't worry about it. And then there'll be <laughs> shit that's happening. And I'm like, oh my god, you have no idea how much pain. And it they don't even right comment now. on it because just yeah, no they like- just they didn't realize that the liver hurts that much yeah. or that you know the that big welt on his leg like right now his legs on fire or you know especially when you see the bloody fights people are like oh my god he must be dying i'm like no he just got a cut on his scalp i'm like have you ever cut your scalp it bleeds like crazy yeah it bleeds like crazy like insane and it's not that he doesn't have like a five inch gash and his brain's not falling out he's got a little nick on his head that's bleeding really really it bad. it just looks really bad i mean boxing the science behind it too the reason mma is safer than boxing is a there are more things you can do, so you take less focused damage. Yeah. You, but in boxing, that glove actually produces more damage for the body and brain. When you That's get, the surface area of it, right? So when you get hit, it rocks a larger area, and that concussive force, it actually damages your organs and your brain differently. Like, if I hit you in the head with a fist one time and you click out, and the fight's over, way different than if I hit you and your brain gets like a shock wave through it mm-hmm. and things are opening up, like blood vessels are popping and yeah. damage is being accrued, but you're still able to continue. And then that adds up and adds up and adds up. Where in an MMA fight, you'll get hit, your brain's going to click out, you're going to go to sleep, you get back up, you really have minimal damage. Where in a boxing fight, you may never go out, but you've damaged your brain in so many ways that after the fight, you know, you have your brain's bleeding and you have nerves that are just uh, you know let me let me ask you something do you think the whole getting up after getting knocked down thing and like boxing and kickboxing helps fighters get damaged more because in mma you know you get hurt you get pounded on and then it's over but in kickboxing you might take like a head kick or a really bad punch you'll go down for like seven seconds you'll beat the eight count then you'll keep taking more damage there are some fights i've seen that i could i've seen on both sides there was one fight uh, who was the Irish hand grenade? What was his name? Oh my god, what was his name? Mickey Ward? No, no, no. In MMA, his na- they call him the Irish hand grenade. I, don't know. I can't remember. This one dude fought, and he ended up winning this fight by armbar. But he took a beating and a half. He got dropped with an overhand, and then just got grounded, and pounded to almost death. And then he pulled an armbar out of his ass, and he won the fight. And I was, and I was like, I. Why didn't they stop that fight? It was like yeah. he won. But the damage that he just took was, like, horrific. And then there are other fights in kickboxing and boxing where I could say the same thing where it's, like, horrific. But I think after that initial shot, the damage is done. I really don't – I don't know. But you don't believe in, like, a second impact syndrome? I don't know how much more damage they're doing than what's already been done. When you're when you're dropped and you get back up, I mean, if it's a flash knockdown where you're, like, you hit and you bounce back up that's and it wasn't that – That's yeah. different. But when you see somebody taking, like, a beating, I think it's way worse than the guy's taking, you know, 10 – you know, 10-plus punches to the head, and the refs comes in, and they start eight-counting, and then they let him go back out. That's way worse than the guy who got hit, and he was out for a second, but he came back, and he came to. His brain clicked out. It turned off. Mm-hmm. The guy that the brain never turned off, the brain's just turning to mush at that point. Yeah. And then you're just taking shots, and then it's just the damage is done at that point. When you get that eight-count, and you're on your feet, and your organs are rocked, and your brain's swelling, any more damage, I mean, I don't know how much more it's going to hurt you than you've already been hurt. Yeah. Um it's a real shame, man. Some of these refs let it go on for way too long. Like the Chris Weidman-Luke Rockhold fight when uh, Luke Rockhold was hitting with the ground and pound. That was just uncomfortable to watch, man. Yeah. It was like three and a half minutes of just ground and pound with no defending from Chris Weidman. It took way too much of a beating. Yeah, and, you know, the criteria. It's being a ref. I mean, think about how difficult it is, especially at it's the top level. Job, yeah. When you have guys in the top five fighting 
and or if you have guys fighting for a title, you don't want to take anything away from them mm-hmm. because that becomes the biggest criticism. If you if you stop a fight too early, they're like, you know, you took away my opportunity to defend my belt or win the belt or you screwed up my life kind of thing. And then Dana and, White comes on and says you're the worst ref in history. And then, yeah, you know, but then the flip side of it is if you let it go too long, people say, oh, my God, you almost got somebody killed. It's not really worth it. And then Dana White says you're the worst referee. And then history. you make a good stoppage and no one really cares. Yeah, <laughs> then you make a good stoppage where it's like the guy almost dies and you saved his life and everyone's like, ah, you should have let him die. Oh, okay. The, the, what I think the message of this one, the moral of the story is, the fans are never right when it comes to this. Never. The no. fans just, uh, you know, it, it's like talking politics. If you say you're on the left, you lose half the room. You say you're on the right, you lose half the room. And when it comes to stoppages, it's the same thing. Oh, I think it was a good stoppage. And no, you're an idiot. Yeah, I think it was a bad stoppage. No, you're an idiot. So basically, you're an idiot no matter what you say when it comes to these stoppages. So Dude. it's best just let them be what they are. <laughs> back to back to MMA fans though. There is something about MMA fans that I just hate. <laughs> just like whenever I go to a bar, I watch it with my friends at school that have no idea what they're talking about. They'll like, yeah, you know, I think if he threw this, this, and this, he would do this. It's like, no, none of that makes sense. You don't know what you're talking about. Just watch. My, just, my, just watch. My favorite of all is why doesn't he just knock him out? <laughs> you don't think he's trying? <laughs> Like seriously, like so stupid. He's he's not knocking him out because he just wants to drive you crazy. That's right. You know you know what's another one I hate? Whenever there's a girl fight, there's that one jackass in the room he's like, Yeah, I bet I could beat her up. It's like okay. Oh my god. So what? <laughs> yeah, so what? So what? I saw Ronda Rousey wrestling with a 13-year-old in California. They had a video of it, and she had a really hard time. This kid was, like, taking her down at will. Men and women, they're just different. That's a conversation I don't really want to get into because someone's going to hate on me. Some snowflake's going to attack me on Twitter if I keep running my mouth on that one. But it's like (laughs) men and women are different. They're not meant to fight each other. And, yeah, you know what? If you're, like, a 200-pound male and you're talking about a 125-pound female, yeah, Congrats. Good job, bud. Yeah, your medal's coming in the mail, jackass. That's good. Why don't you just let them fight each other and, you know, stop being upset because you're not on TV and they are. Yeah, yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what it comes down to. Why can't he do that? The same reason, you know, you can't, asshole. Like, stop. Yeah, and those guys like, oh, I bet I could beat this guy up. It's like, oh, you want to try? He trains in California. Buy yourself a ticket. The one thing about MMA, MMA athletes are the most approachable athletes because we're not, you know, this isn't $100 million athletes. These aren't people that live in gated communities. Yeah. You can go and find a UFC athlete in most counties in the country because they do have 500-plus guys on the roster right now. So yeah. there's a lot of people that have been in the UFC. I mean, it's thousands of people have fought in the UFC. I mean, you can go to a lot of gyms, and you can find one of those guys. And, yeah, let's go see how you do. You'll get killed. You ever see the video of uh, Deontay Wilder beating up the guy who was talking trash to him on Twitter? No, but it sounds like something I would love to see. Dude, there's this guy. I don't know what his name is. He's such a fucking dick. He, he makes all these videos. Like, like he did one with, about Roger Mayweather. He's like, yeah, I could beat you up, beat you up. So Roger Mayweather's like, all right, come on down. And uh, no, it was uh, Mayweather Sr., like the really old guy. Oh, no, I know you're talking about. Uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy goes in the gyms and he picks fights with people in like random gyms. And then they just beat the crap out of him. And then he runs away and then he's like, yeah, that guy's a pussy. He just, and then he says, fight he, yeah, yeah, no. Charlie Zelenhoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zelenick or something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like that. He yeah. literally, he goes to like retro fitness and like tells a guy like, hey, man, you want to hold pads for me? And then punches the dude in the face and says, I won. He's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I think he's in jail for assault right now. I hope so. Yeah, it's anybody that's that stupid, I mean, they don't deserve to be walking around on the streets. Yeah. Or somebody should do something really bad to them. Yeah, you should see what Deontay Wilder did. He knocks I him down. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. That dude's an 
idiot. He's an Jonathan oh, Wilder's an God. animal too. Yeah, that He's I huge. can't I can't imagine that. Dude, he flinches at him after he knocks him down and the dude sprints gone right out of the gym. Didn't even take his gloves off, didn't get any of his clothes, just out. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I gotta look that one up. Oh no, please do. It's a great watch. So satisfying to watch that guy get punched in the face. My favorite one was around nineteen ninety nine. I had a guy come into the gym. And he told me he wanted to join. And he told me that he trained before. And he starts telling me his history of fighting. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. He's telling me my background. Oh, yeah, he told me this. The guy literally is telling me my background. I had gotten off a plane from Japan like a month earlier. And the guy's like, yeah, I just I just fought in Japan. And I did this. And I did that. And I'm like, do you have any idea where you are? <laughs> and I'm like, yesing him, yesing him, yesing him. And I'm like, do you, do you know who I am? And he's like, uh, this is, Jim was Eastern Sun. He's like, this is Eastern Sun, right? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, do you know my name? And he's like, no. And I was like, my name's Brian Wright. He's like, okay, I'm out of here. And he takes <laughs> off. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how he found my stuff because this is like pre-internet stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I don't even know what the hell that was. That was hysterical. I'm like, did he find like, a write-up somewhere or something and then i i was like that blew my mind it's funny man because if you go back before like the internet and the ufc like martial arts is just a fucking it's just there's no rules like people just make up stuff all the time there's like people are having death matches in the woods but they're really not you know what i mean it's just a bunch of fakers somebody was talking about they had an instructor that used to lie about trips to china and shit like i mean there's just so much weird stuff i mean i even a lot of i mean you gotta remember I'm going to be 44 soon, so I had a lot of my fights in what I call the dark days when we didn't, we couldn't record everything on our cell phone so easy. I mean, if you wanted to record my fights, you had to have a camcorder that required a backpack. You look like a Ghostbuster if you were trying to record <laughs> one of my fights. <laughs> and then if you, and then if you lost the VHS tape, forget it, you're done. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I don't have a ton of footage, and I mean, I even have people are like. They don't even believe anything happened before digital. I'm like, no, there was a world before digital. Yes, we did compete. Yes, we did do things. <laughs> yes, some people have inflated records, but some of us actually have records and whatever. And yeah. it, it's just like such a weird time. But now, literally, everything is recorded. Everything is verifiable. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, there's databases that track everything. Yeah. Now. So good luck with that. Good luck with all that. You know, what my favorite one I hear is when people, whenever people like uh, they they know that I train the country, like, oh yeah, you know, I used to box back in the day. When really, what uh, they did was just go up to the heavy bag at Retro Fitness, hit it a couple times, and they felt like a savage. Yeah, I had a dude. I told you this story once before too. I had, when I was working at the Atlanta Club, I had this one guy who was a paper salesman. It's like forty-five year old paper Mifflin? paper salesman, and I was, I think I was. 22 23 years old i'm a professional fighter i'm getting ready for fights i i was teaching classes there but i used the gym for my strength and conditioning and this guy comes up to me and he's like i'm just like you except i don't get paid i just get beer and i get laid and i'm like what did you just say to me and he's like yeah friday nights i go get a couple beers pick a fight you know at the parker house <laughs> you know what i mean i'm yeah. like I, I lost it. I Wait, like, at the Parker House in Spring Lake? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> this guy's like trying to compare picking a fight at the Parker House to picking like... Picking a fight with some trust fund rich white yeah, kid. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm getting ready for the world championships and you're fighting like another 45-year-old drunk man. Dude. Stop it. And I, I actually, I almost got fired because I threw the guy against the wall. I lost my shit and my buddy Paul, who's no longer with us. Isn't it just like get you so oh, mad when people say God. that? When I was young, I used to get upset. And then my buddy actually, my buddy Paul was like, dude. You need to let that go. Like, he has to live with himself. Like, he's, 
let him believe whatever he wants to believe because one day reality is going to smack him in the face. You don't need to be that reality. Like let let him go figure that out for himself and you don't lose any sleep. Just go keep doing what but you're doing. But wouldn't it be great to be that reality? <laughs> it no, would. No, no, don't even okay. take the high road. Right. It would. It would. All right. There are guys that you've come across that are that you know you're like, I want to kill him. And then they step on the ma- The people that run their mouth that say they've done it, whatever. Like the guy who comes in and says, oh, yeah, I boxed in college. Okay, whatever. And then they come in and then you watch them warm up and you feel so bad for them that they actually <laughs> could have said that to us. Like, you're like, I'm going to kill this guy. And they oh, suck so him. bad that you're like, honestly, let him just live with that. That's worse than me beating him. Dude, I had an experience like that at recently at Roan. There was an MMA club, MMA club run by uh, students. So do not, you do have to go back to school. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. People say may be listening, so just tread lightly on this. Unless you your balls are that big and you really want to throw this out there. Let's, let's, let's see. <laughs> you're making me say Because this club, up. like you're like, okay, how many people are in the club? I don't know. I only went once. And how many people were in the club? <laughs> how many people were in the room? Uh, maybe like 20. Uh, so, And for what you're saying you're going to do, everyone listening that was in that room is going to be like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. So <laughs> unless you want to have a fight on your hands no, when look, you go look, back, look, you might want to be like, I went to that club and it was a really interesting experience and let's move on. Or you cannot let me bully you out of what the story you want to tell, and you can have a really good story about when you go back to school about how go. everybody came at you. So Brian's playing devil's advocate yes. over here, making me say, "Hey, it works. It, work, it works for me either way. I don't care what you do." So, all right. So, look, I went, and there was a kid teaching, great kid uh, teaching. He was teaching striking class that See, day. I scared you. You had to say great kid now. Well, he is a great. I'm actually, I'm friends with the kid, so. But uh, he was. It's not what you told me. <laughs> no, really though. But uh, he was teaching striking. I remember just thinking like, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Like he doesn't really know what he's talking about. So then it was time to spar, and I go up to him. I was like, hey man, I don't have a partner. Like, Can we spar? He's like, he was like, yeah man, I'll do a couple rounds with you. Like you know, he's doing me a favor. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> it was just not good for him. <laughs> yeah, you know it it it. He came up to me afterwards. He was like, yeah, so you're you're a professional, right? <laughs> I yeah. was like, I'm not, but thank you. <laughs> I feel really good about myself right now. Thank you for telling me that. No, it's just I felt great. It, it's again, as it's bad one as it is to say. It's one of those weird things where you get these people have these strange ideas about who they are, and uh, yeah, sometimes they have to get a reality check. Honestly, I don't care what anybody does when it comes to martial arts. I had um, Carl's last fight. Stickman was there, and Stickman's like, "Hey, man, in jujitsu schools." Excuse me. He was telling me, he's like, you know, in jiu-jitsu schools, I think you should. And he had like a very specific opinion about what he thought schools were. And I was like, well, does yours do that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, then just be happy. Like, yeah. let the other people do what they do. They might be happy doing something else. Different like, quite, strokes, different folks. I really don't care what anybody does as long as they're honest about it. Like, don't do like point karate and then tell me it, that the rules are too restricting in MMA and that's why we don't have like point karate guys as like the heavyweight champ in the UFC like let's yeah. just be real about it don't don't tell me that you know you're too deadly for combat sports or any of that crap like just be honest like if you're doing real world stuff fine you're doing self defense real world you're not talking about don't tell me you could have beat Muhammad Ali when with you're aikido. doing yeah with aikido like yeah. you're just happy like you you know you're you're doing what you're doing and you feel like a better person for it and just be happy. You do Taekwondo, like, great. Do Taekwondo. Uh, I don't care. You know, just don't try and act like what you do is better unless it's actually been proven to be better or you're willing to prove that it's better. And that's not like a challenge. I'm just saying, like, if if you really, if your mouth is going to say it, 
just be prepared to back it up. I'm not going to punch you in the face in a bar, but I'll invite you in the gym to test it. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's my favorite one. Like, hey, man, I train here, here, here on this day and this day and this day. Come through anytime. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> I'm really easy to find. Yeah. I'm very easy to find. You know. And you watch how people just give you that weird look once you, once you just give them all your availability. They're like, wait a minute. He's too comfortable with all this. Hey, man. That's the one thing. If you do contact arts, there's a level of comfort that you get with your art and with yourself in time because i mean i tell this to anybody that's training me long term you all know that when you go to step into a ring or a cage to do what you do one of the last things i always say is you do realize that this person can't do anything to you that's already been done to you like yeah there's just nothing new just relax go out there and do your job focus on the task at hand and get it done don't worry about some like weird unknown because you know everything that can come at you you know what the cost is and you're good and that's a level of comfort so people that have never people that have never been in a physical confrontation when the confrontation comes oh it's scary it's scary as shit yeah man. it's scary when you know what it is because you know how bad it could actually go yeah I think knowing, but the more experience you have with it, the less you want to do it. And it's not because like, ah, I've been there, done that. It's like, no, I've been there. I've done that. I know how this can go. If this goes well, okay, I'm lucky. If this goes bad, holy shit, this is really, really bad for me. Yeah, right. Like that's one thing people don't understand about people who actually do this for like like a, like a hobby or like a passion. Like I hate getting into street fights. I, I, don't, I don't care. Some dude calls me a bitch at the bar. It's like, all right, whatever. Whatever. Like, I, I don't care. You know, this isn't a big deal. Yeah. It's just words. Uh, my father told me something when I was young. His father told him, and he told me. He said, uh, you know, when people say things to you, you got to ask yourself if it's true. And if it's true, you don't get mad at them for pointing it out. You get mad at yourself if it's a truth that you don't like. Yeah. This is what it is. Like, if it's not true, who cares? But if it is true, then you got to look at yourself. And you did that. Not them. They're just pointing it out. So correct your own shit. Yeah, but when you know it's not true, it has zero effect on you. Yeah. And when you fight, it's just you're showing you're insecure with actually who you are. Yeah, 100%. It's just all insecurities. Yeah. You got to be the big, you got to be the tougher alpha. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I'm, such a stupid concept. And it's funny how that affects so many decisions that we make is where you have that insecurity. So it's like, you know, you have to, you know, you see a lot of guys driving something because they need the world to look at them differently or they're wearing something or they're going someplace, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're writing, you know, checks that they really can't afford to be writing because they're just trying to get attention to make up for something. Uh, it, it, it's a weird mind fuck. And that's why I think training, you know, is such a grounding thing because you really know who you are. And again, I, I was laughing about this with Trent the other day. It was like, you know, people that train, if the world goes to shit, everyone's coming to us <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah right. the guy with the big car is not the guy we're going to because it will run out of gas and there will be no more gas yeah. <laughs> you know like <laughs> we're the ones that will be able to to physically do things that have to get done yeah right. so and and even if you know me i'm not in the best shape anymore but at least i am mentally strong enough memory. to do what i have yeah. to do so it's just that confidence gives you the ability to do things yeah. i mean and it's funny i'll th i'll bring it back around to the beginning um I think the greatest part of having someone like yourself come through the doors and go through what we do is you did find the strength to start making decisions for yourself and you found this at a good time because as you started to mature 
you came at a critical maturation point you know like you really are becoming a man with this involved so you have this is grounding so you have your your family influence which is a grounding then you have your school and then you have here like you have multiple points of information that really ground you and you have the ability to make decisions for yourself because we all throw info at you and we all challenge you in different ways but what you did here gives you the strength to make the decision that's right for you, not for any one of those particular pieces of the pie. You know what I'm saying? Oh, 100%, man. This place changed my life in, like, more ways than one. And you're right. I really did find it at the perfect time. Like, it's, it's weird how it just worked out perfectly for me, you know? And I feel like this is something that everyone can benefit from. It's just people are just scared of the whole getting hit in the face thing. That's not really what it's about, you know? Yeah, it, it's... It, the amount of people that actually get hit in the head here is so little, too. Yeah. You know, the the people that actually choose to spar or compete, I mean, it's 1% of the overall community here. Yeah. And that tends to be the pl- the case anywhere you go unless you are truly in a hammer house. I know places that force people to spar, and I'm like, yeah. Well, again, the people that want to spar are going to go there. But if somebody really doesn't want to, I don't think you should make them. I think you should give them the option, mm-hmm. and I think you should give them the ability to make like a real choice. Like you explain to them how it is, and you put them with the right person that's going to take care of them in the beginning step of it to give them the confidence they need. But you know. at the same time, I feel like if someone comes in the first day and they want to spar, they just want to throw bombs because they want to look cool. The guy who wants to spar in the first day is the guy that made a bad decision coming here. I have a lot of friends at school that tell me, hey, man, can I come to your gym? It's like, yeah. Oh, can sure. I spar? And I say, no, I'm not bringing you if you're going to spar on your first day because it's going to go terribly. Just say yes. You. Just say yes. Just say yes. Yeah, I really should. Just say right? yes. <laughs> just, Carl and I are sitting here waiting for him. It's just, it's just, yeah, right? please, the Lions are, are looking for meat constantly. It, 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 that is not a problem. Those guys, I don't mind that. The guy that's like all pumped up and wants to go like right away, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ground you really fast. I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to make them bleed unless they really fuck up. The but. thing I hate about it though is that experience usually prevents them from ever coming back because I hate the feeling of getting grounded. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know what? That person's not ready for what we do. Facts. Person's not ready for it. If you don't, if you're not ready to be grounded, you're not ready to be pushed. The, they're bullies. The bully mentality is the worst mentality in the world. I can't deal with it. It has no place in my universe. I can't teach a bully. The guy who only likes to give the beating can't take it. You have no room in here. Yeah. You know the best athletes I've ever trained have taken just as much as they've given when it comes to the training side. You have of it. to. You don't have a choice. No, <laughs> you don't. You have don't. A choice. To be the best, you don't have a choice. You can be the best in a room, but, but if you want to be the best in the world, yeah, means you have to go and do the work where you are the worst guy in the room. Yeah, you you'll know? win 20 amateur fights and feel great, but then the second you go against someone in a professional league with a bigger swimming pool of people, it's a whole different ballgame. It's like going from high school. Like You can be the best high school quarterback, but in college, you're the worst. You know what I mean? Jay Teitelbaum retired more fighters than anyone I know. That kid would fight, and we had guys that would never fight again after they fought him. And I remember he said to me once he felt bad about it, and I was like, feel good about it because you made these people understand that this was not the life for them. They were, they were pretending. You gave them a reality check, and now they're going to go be what they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to be fighters. I don't feel bad about anybody that gets that reality check and then moves on. It helps them in the end. It Absolutely, because yeah. the, the quicker they run into that reality, the better. And the less damage they take on yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or the guy that was hung in there too long and needed the beating to, re- to let him know that, you know what, it's time to go do something else. Like, yeah, your right. time's done. It's his time now. That's the scariest thing about when you think about someone pursuing this. It's like, all right, what happens if they get to, like, the lower level professional leagues then can't make it up and they, they do it until they're 43 and they have no other skills. Like, what are they going to do, you know? 
that goes back to I had I had a coach as Dane DeRose. Dane DeRose was he was the first guy that let me understand what like a real coach was because he he uh, really took care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me real advice, cared about me as a person, not just as an athlete. It wasn't all about just winning on the mat. And I went through, I was, I was probably like 27, and I was on a stretch where I was winning a lot of fights. But I was living kind of poorly. I was, no, I, I no good. My relationships were not really good. I didn't have a lot of money. I was burning, I was pissing money away. I was just being stupid. Mm-hmm. And he pulled me aside after a big win, and he said to me, he goes, um, I don't care how many fights you win in that ring. If you're a loser outside of it, you're not a champion. You're a loser. He said champions are people that are winners at every aspect of their life, not just in that ring. And that's a that was heavy. Like I was kind of like, I have no idea what the hell you just said to me. And then a couple hours later, it was like, oh, he's telling me I need to grow up. Yeah. And then I realized it's like, okay, so. And it's it's funny. I can I mean I can I can go on this one. I can go deep for a long time. My one of my biggest problems I see with people in any aspect, just because you are successful at some point in your life doesn't mean that you're owed anything from anyone in any way, shape, or form going forward. The only value that we maintain as human beings, no matter how great a thing we may have done, you could have won a world championship, anything when you were eighteen. Right. When you're a year older, let alone 30 years older, no one owes you anything for doing that. I believe that's Un- called douchiness, Brian. No, unless you figure out how to share some value of that that brings value to other people's lives. So if you are a world champion once and you have an ability to share that experience in some way that's going to make somebody else better, well, then you'll continue to get paid or you know, continue to get something out of that. Right. But it's the guy that walks around with the belt on that's fat and drunk and is like, I won the belt 10 years ago, you know, kiss my ass. Like, no one owes you anything. Yeah. I see a lot of guys open up schools that used to be fighters in, in, in uh, one thing or another. Or, you know, guys, they had a lot of success when they were young and they just expect people to come and pay them to be their students even <laughs> though they don't they teach them anything are. because yeah. they are they are. And I'm like, you wonder why your business doesn't make any money because all you do is sit there and tell stories. You're not helping anyone be better. You're just telling people. You're telling the world that it owes you because you sacrificed once. Right. That's bullshit. Yep. That's bullshit. If you don't sacrifice every day for other people, you don't provide value for your community, which means your community is not going to give you anything. Yeah. Right. Like if I'm going to your school and I don't learn anything, I don't become a better person, and, and all I hear is your stories. I don't give a shit about anything you do. I don't give a shit about your name. You know what I mean? Like honestly, like you're sitting here and we're just talking, but I mean you train for six years to be able to sit here you know what i mean <laughs> i earned it <laughs> well but i'm just saying like you are we earn the relationship that we have that we have the ability to talk about stuff right yeah no i, I know what you're saying sure. you know like we've had experience that we're talking about experience like i'm not sitting here telling you how great i am and you're like yes yes you're right you're the best <laughs> just being spoon oh my fed. god <laughs> i love being around you you've done such amazing things yeah. i'm like you've okay. actually done great shit you changed my life it's a fact. This this gym, the people in this gym has changed my life. But I didn't for the better. but I didn't do it by creating like a cool kids table that I let you be a part of. Yeah. I like made you do shit. I made you I, do a lot I, of shit. I made you do a lot of shit and then it paid off. And it paid off for me once, it pays off for you now, it's paying off for other people here. That's just what we do. It on. And that's that's just the the beauty of it all. That's the circle of it all. So, um, yeah. So Mike, we've been talking for a little while here. 
How long? Um, hour and three minutes we're in. Yeah. Are you? Is that what you're trying to say? What am I trying to say? It's over. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out and like saying, "Hey, we've been going for a while. Is there anything you want to throw out? Anything you want to talk about?" Um, I feel like we've said it, but I just like want to stress the importance of something like this. Like anything in life that where you get you get grounded, it just helps you be. It just helps you become a better person. Like I always felt my worst training sessions are where I go in, especially with sparring, where I go in, I'm like, "Oh, I'm feeling great. I'm gonna do great. I'm gonna kick some ass today." And then I go in there and I get the shit kicked out of me. And then when I go in there, it's just like, "Ah, it's another day of sparring. I do great." You know yeah. what I mean? And I love that. I love coming out of that and being like, okay, I need to relax. I need to stop inflating myself. You know what I mean? And a lot of people just don't get that in life. And they just have these inflated self-images. And they just be, they're just you know, they're just not good people. You know what I mean? Do you get, does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. You know, again, it just comes down to that. It's I, I, I think we all need to have something that grounds us. Um, you know, for me, my son grounds me. My wife grounds me. But that's because I'm 44 years old and I'm fully invested in my family the same way I was fully invested into training at one point. I mean, I'm still invested in training and being coach and all that stuff, but you know, now I have multiple points of grounding and I and it just takes one so you understand the importance of it and then when you can identify the positive grounding points and the positive relationships, it all just develops and that's where you know, we can create fighters all day long, but I think we just make better humans by doing what we do the way we do it and just an honest way. I mean, transparency is just so important. It's like you, you have to have the ability to kind of communicate your struggle and trust that the team of guys you have are going to help you get through it. And then that just replicates itself over and over again. That's that's just one of the, the best parts of what we do. Yeah, like I'm not saying that Brian changed my life just, just because I'm on his podcast trying to make it look good. Like, no, he actually changed my life. Yeah. Like, you don't even know this. When I was at URI, I got really depressed. Like, I hated everything. Honestly, I never told you this before, I actually tried to kill myself when I was at URI. And... Jesus, Mike. Yeah, no. I want to tell the story because it's important to me. But, like, I've got... I've, like, started telling... Like, I've started, yeah. like, being more open about it because I used to not tell anyone. But, like, yeah, no, that happened. And, like, I came back and I was – there was, like, a while where I didn't train. And then I started coming back into the gym and it just – I was going to th- – actually, as I was training for my first fight, I was going to therapy at the same time. Like, I would train Monday through Thursday and then Saturday and Sunday. And then Friday I would go to therapy. I remember you actually asked me one time. You're like, oh, why do you train on Friday? I was like, yeah, I don't want to train on Friday. And you're like, no. oh, you're a bitch. Are you still up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't transparent enough for me to understand where you're at. So, yeah, you no, know. that was completely my fault. But, like, yeah, like – Side by side training for my first fight and like going to therapy, like I became like I just the, like my first fight was like the culmination of me just becoming a better person. As, and I, as silly as that sounds, and it and it's funny that was one of those fights you lost but you won. Like, I, I think I won. Fuck the judges. No, but but it was one of the ones. It doesn't matter. It does, yeah. but it doesn't. Like it does right now in your mind. It matters, but in time it won't matter at all. And it was one of those ones where I felt like it, I felt like you did enough to win, and I was kind of like fuck the judges again in New York suck yeah. but on the other side of it I'm like okay Mike did what Mike needed to do like as a human you did what you needed to do like you were a better person walking out than when you walked in and I didn't even understand all this fucking backstory that's crazy I did not know these things yeah none of my friends knew man but you know again it's crazy cause I knew I knew you were going through I knew you were going through the shit I didn't know how deep the shit was but um man to see, to know now how deep that went, and to see where you started, what you went through, man, you let a lot of people. You got forced into making a decision you didn't want to make at that particular time, yeah. and you put yourself in a position you were not prepared for. But you fought 
out of it and then you started literally fought out literally of you yeah. fought out of it and then you made personal decisions and to to wow to know that it was that low to know i have an idea of how high it is right now for you and again hey man that's a low that i don't wish on anybody no but, absolutely not but it does i say it constantly but unless you've actually gone through it on both ends you know it's hard to believe sometimes is that failure really is the foundation for all future success when yeah. you have that sense of failure where you feel like there's nothing left and then you find out there is it it's really appreciating things in a different way oh like, 100% when you were ready to end it man fuck you were ready to end it yeah but you whatever happened it didn't end and you're in a way better spot so i honestly like how much shit can happen to you in life that's gonna really affect you at this point yeah and it's as weird as it is to say like that experience may be 10 times the person i am today it's not weird i I wouldn't take take that experience back i'm glad i went through all that i'm glad all that happened because like you said i have a greater appreciation for just everything in life you know hey man overcoming pain just makes us stronger yeah every aspect of humanity that has to deal with building strength first starts with breaking down that's that's just that's how nature works you break a bone it heals stronger you know, yeah. you have to be broken, and then you come back. I mean, it's a process of training. What happens? You tell me you want to fight. What's the first thing I do? I kick your ass. <laughs> I yeah. beat you down to the point where you basically have to decide if this is really the life choice you want. Yeah. And if you say, okay, it's what I want, well, then we get to work. But you've got to get to the point where you're looking at the abyss and going, <laughs> you know, what do I really want here? Yeah. Do I want to jump or not? You can't expect the highest highs without going to the lowest lows first. You just have to. You won't appreciate the highs. They won't. Right. They won't be the highest highs because you don't realize how high you are because you were never grounded. You're just floating then. Yeah. It was funny. I I, uh, I was listening to Howard Stern this morning and um, John Cougar Mellencamp was on, and it, and as I'm getting older, I understand this in ways I didn't when I was younger, and it was really funny. He was talking about how um, about fame. And he was really famous. And he's not as famous now. And he was talking about how he doesn't care if he's ever that famous again because he realizes now that there was really, it really wasn't anything. There was nothing there. Because there's no like grounding anything. It's just a lot of people know who you are and you're making a lot of money and you're doing what you do, whatever. But it's just a lot of attention, but it's yeah. nothing substantial. So now that he has things that he feel are substantial and he has certain aspects of his life that are grounded, like he understands himself differently. And that's the thing where it's like a lot of the stuff we worry about that we're afraid of that pushes us to these points where we're like, fuck it, I don't want to do anything anymore. Yeah. And then you realize it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And then you get over the bullshit and then you start realizing what really matters. Get to the other side where the grass is greener. Well, you get to the other side and you, and, and you just start, instead of collecting things, you start collecting experience and developing relationships and actually building real stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, unless you've lost it all or been willing to give it all up, I don't think you could really understand what we just said. No. No, 100%. This is just one of those... This is just uh, this, this gym in general is just one of those things you like. You can't explain it from the inside, but if from the outside looking in, you'll never understand what it is. Does that yeah. make sense? No, it totally does. It's not... Because, again, if you're looking from the outside without a little bit of guidance, you really don't understand what we're doing. No. 
It just looks like a bunch of people sweating and hitting shit. Yeah. There's a lot of deep values entrenched in everything yeah. you do. But you know, again, it's it's effort, it's relationships. It it it's so much more. I mean, it, that's why going like paying 19.99 a month to go to, you know, retro fitness is way different than spending what you spend to come here because when you go to a gym by yourself, there's a lot of people. You go to a gym, there's a ton of people there, but you're really alone. Yeah. Here, it family. doesn't matter how many people are here, you're never alone because we all know who we are. We all have an understanding of the struggles that we're going through to a degree. And I say it constantly, it's a group effort towards individual goals. Yeah. We're all doing the same things, but for much different reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this took a very deep turn here. Yeah. <laughs> very deep yeah, turn. Yeah, I wanted to fit that in somewhere. I didn't. No, know. but yeah, I, I'm. Hey, man, I, I'm glad you did because the value I thought of our conversation was to explain to people that doesn't matter where you are. You do have the ability to make personal choices to get to where you want to be. And I didn't understand that your struggle was that deep. I mean, I'm looking at you like people shit on millennials, and it drives me nuts. I hate it. I hate people shitting on people. Like, stop. Every generation shits on the generation before them. And the one thing about millennials is everybody talks about how you guys have all this technology. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Because the people that created the technology are your fucking generation. Like, you know, the people in their 60s that are bitching and moaning about cell phones. I'm like, well, that was your generation that created that stuff. That's the gen. You're the generation that made all the money off that stuff. Like you're sitting back in your retirement fund, complaining about all the money you made. You know, destroying youth. Shut up. You didn't destroy anything. You did exactly what you you wanted to do, and they're doing what they want to do. And you know what? You're going to complain about the next generation too, because that's just the way it goes. It's the cycle of stuff. Everybody thought you know the apocalypse was going to come because Elvis Presley was shaking his hips. You know, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, right. Now, Rock and roll is going to be the end of the world. Yeah. Now we're, we're now we've got like you know ai and vr and all this kind of shit coming around and who the hell knows where it's gonna all go but one thing's for sure people that aren't grounded and people that aren't you know introspective people that don't really appreciate their relationships and are afraid of giving up their own ground are gonna be bitching moaning and complaining and it's just like there's always gonna be somebody that's why it's best know who you are don't worry about all these people complaining and don't let anybody make decisions for you yeah and you know i Young, young people like yourself, you have way more opportunity than a lot of people. It's it's crazy because it was the same shit when I was your when I was eighteen years old. It was the same thing. It was like you have the world by the balls. You can make any decision you want as long as it's these four. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know, doctor, business, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can do whatever you want as long as it's what I want you to do. Yeah. And it's never changed. I mean, Aristotle is, or Socrates, again, Google it. You can fact check me. But there's a, um, a quote that, you know, their togas are too loose, their hair is too long, and they have no respect for authority. It's from the beginning of time. I'm sure there was a caveman that was like, his rock's bigger than mine. You know, like yeah. it's everybody complained about something. Oh, he's messy with his cave painting. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> there's always something. Yeah. There's somebody, always something. And it just is what it is. It's human and, nature. And the deep shit is the shit that matters. Like, because you can, every bullshit argument that we could bring up goes away when the reality of what you just dropped on me comes about. Like, yeah, all that stuff didn't matter. I was ready to end it. Holy shit. That's like, 
yeah, no, none of it matters. This nope. Podcast doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> Car you drive podcast. doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, just who, be you. Who you think you are? None of it matters. The fact that you're like breathing matters. Yeah. The fact that you're alive and you flipped some switch and started making decisions for yourself instead of. I, I, I'm just going to ask you. What do you really think was the 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 main reason that you got to a point where you felt like there was nothing worth continuing for um i mean throughout high school i didn't have the uh best self-image uh-huh. um and i think it just culminated at at school i think just the environment just just kind of helped me out because i was in a situation where you know i didn't really have a lot of friends i was smoking a lot of weed which definitely did not help um i just think that environment just just because i was at a level where i never really thought of ending it all but like in that environment i just had nothing like i had no i felt like i had no one to turn to i felt like i had nothing to help me out you were so alone like, in a crowded room i was alone in a crowded exactly yeah yeah so i think i think that was it i wow. mean without going into too much detail cause, no yeah you don't yeah. have to no no but it's like in in more the the more general sense of it yeah like yeah. you're alone in a crowded room so you had a lack of connection and another thing that you said confidence in making decisions is huge because there's a lot of people out there that like they they think they want to do this but they don't have the confidence to just say fuck it and go do it and and doing that would you know just do what you want to do i guess is that what i'm trying to say well think about it though so you feel alone in a crowded room meaning you you're sitting there with zero connections you're not connecting Mm -hmm. and one of the main reasons that we end up not connecting is because we don't have the confidence to go connect yeah we have things that we can't get over about ourselves like you know you're afraid of something like it's the whole thing like you got to go talk to the first you know you go ask your first girlfriend out you know like it's (laughs) like you got to get over that she might reject me and you just got to go ask her you know um there's a quote i love it where it's like it's like, oh, CM Punk said this of all people when they were asking about his MMA debut. He's like, he's like, people ask me already. He's like, was I ready when I was six years old playing little league to go up to my first bat? He's like, no, but I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different though. Oh, way different, but I think that yeah. it applies regardless. It does apply. I agree. Yeah, but he's an idiot for trying to go fight in the UFC. Yeah, that that was that. a pay per view grab right there. Yeah, but. it was. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. You know, it's, it goes, hey, there's the quote, like, how do you build the biggest building in town? You just go build the biggest building in town. You know, that's the thing. When, when we, we have, we say it all the time, we say, fuck it. When you, when you say, like, I, when you say you don't give a fuck, I got in tr- I, I have, uh, I was criticized as dropping too many F-bombs in the last podcast, and now I'm going to be going over the top because I'm talking about a phrase that begins with fuck. So. You need to watch your fucking language. Ah, uh, fuck me, <laughs> fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. Um... So when you say fuck it or I don't give a fuck, the one thing people have to understand is that you say that because you actually give so much of a fuck that you're going to stop focusing on the shit that doesn't matter and you're only going to focus on the things that matter and you're only going to do the things that you know are the right thing. Like there's, you don't need a reason to do the right thing. You just do the right thing and you say fuck it to everything else because it's all bullshit. It's not fuck it out of like ignorance for for everything going around you. It's fuck it as in I know what I want to do. I know what I can do and I'm going to go do it. And I know what you're trying to distract me with is nonsense so I'm not even going to allow you to get in the way of what it is I have to do. And that's the thing, man. It's getting through all that distraction, finding the confidence to be who you are. And if you don't have the confidence, man, just understand that being you is the right thing. 
who you are is the right thing. That's what you were born to be who you are. Be who you are. And if the world doesn't get it, that's fine. It's got to figure its shit out. Like the world is not going to go to sleep at night wondering about you. You're going to go to sleep at night wondering about you. You know, like that's the, it's like, again, bringing it back down to training. How many times do we get the new guy on the mat and he's like, am I, I, I feel stupid. Well, everybody in this room felt stupid when they started. This is the best place to feel stupid because we don't think you're stupid. We think you are who we once were and we're going to help you get past that. Yep. You know, like all that weird shit that gets in the way that stops us from trying to do stuff. Just don't let it stop you. Don't let judgment of other the, – the theoretical idea of judgment. I mean, forget it. Twitter will always judge you harshly. <laughs> like, no matter what you do, Twitter is going to crush you. <laughs> no matter what. No matter what. People, people spend their lives shitting on other people. That's just what yes, they do Yes, there day. are people in dark rooms with no lives that, that are just looking for shit to throw darts at. You know, it's like you're just going to have to take the hit there. Yeah. But in terms of like the real stuff that matters, don't be afraid. If, if you really feel you were meant to do it, go do it. That's it. I mean, people talk about me and Carl. Like, how did Carl do a lot of the stuff he did? Because he did we it. just believed from the beginning that this is where he was meant to be. And we just kept doing it in a way that woke everyone else up to the reality of oh yeah you're right he does belong here he doesn't have enough fights tough shit we're gonna beat your guy uh the jerome LeBanner fight is a perfect example of that to me that's the that's the that's the model in life you want to jump the line don't be the dick who jumps the line be the guy who's prepared and the line parts and allows you to go to the front like that's who you want to be you don't want to be the dick who just jumps over and pushes out of the way and says fuck you i want to be first no you do so much work that they're like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to let him be first. We're going to let him go because we want to see what he's going to do. Right. But that requires work. Not just a big mouth. It requires big work. Like Conor McGregor, say whatever you want about the guy. The guy knocked a lot of people out. The guy beat a lot of people. Yeah. The guy did the work. He didn't just talk the talk. He talked the talk and walked on the, the press tour after the contract was signed. But he did a lot of work to get that contract signed. Then he went and ran his mouth to make sure a lot of people showed up and paid the money that he needed. But he had to put the work in first. Then he ran his mouth. Then he did more work. And then he got in there and he fought. Yeah, he earned the million of dollars he got. There's, you can't take that away from him. No. No. Th- like CM Punk went and he did his thing. I'm bringing that up because you did. Like he did his thing. <laughs> like No, 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 no. But like he went from like pro wrestling to MMA. Fine. Um, I respect the work that he did. But he wasn't like a, a battle-tested MMA fighter or or fighter. He was a guy who took a beating in a entertainment industry. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. But that but McGregor really did the work in MMA and the question out there. Like there's not a big question. There's not too many people out there saying, "Hey, is the WWE and M- and UFC would their champs do well against each other?" <laughs> I mean, there's not that much of an argument. There are people who believe that. You would be surprised. I I I understand, but from like an actual real argument that makes sense. There's none. There's none. There's none. <laughs> but boxing versus kickboxing, kickboxing versus MMA, MMA versus boxing. Legitimate argument. Legitimate argument which combat sport is better not which fake thing (laughs) and which real thing wait a minute there's no parody there there's nothing to talk about but no that was my tai chi yeah yeah (laughs) i'll kill you hey yo fuck it that tai chi you want to have an argument about that we can get on the mat and you can still do it it's you're not faking it you're really going to try and do tai chi 
Like, but you will eat the meanest. But you will get you you will you will get your head knocked off. Yeah, you'll have a concussion. Yeah. So yeah, it's all about just that that reality thing, man. Having the confidence, the confidence to be yourself is everything in life. I mean, I didn't find peace in my life until I stopped giving a shit about everybody else's opinion of me. It's so freeing. It's it's the most it's the most liberating thing you could ever do. Mm. I don't care. Like seriously, I mean, I'm not going to go deep on this one because I can go off on this one. But it's like it doesn't matter if it's your parents, if it's your friends, if it's the people around you, whatever it is, whatever you got to let go of, whatever judgment you got to let go of to understand yourself, do it. And if the people that you have to reject, if they're really there for you, they'll come back around. They'll come back around. And if they don't, they shouldn't have been there anyway. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Exactly. Don't stress about shit that doesn't matter. Yeah, and understand that if you are doing the right thing, you won't be alone because people gravitate towards positivity as much as they do around debauchery and negativity. You know, people go into kind of two different camps. You know, you got the people that go to, you know, the bar every Friday night, and then you got people that go and do positive shit. I think you do both. <laughs> I, I try to keep an equal balance. <laughs> it's, it's important. Yeah, you ju- you can't be a, you can't be a monk. You do have to live life, but yeah. you just have to surround yourself with people that un- that that respect your life and who you are. So, Mike, I am I am glad you didn't make. I'm glad you didn't take your decision to a further conclusion, and I'm glad that we had an opportunity to talk about it. And uh, makes me un- makes me appreciate what I do more like i don't i i i'm trying not to turn this podcast with having you guys come on to turn into like brian's changed my life like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i said it because it because it, it was, was it was real it, it yeah. was a real thing it yeah, was a real it was a real thing like i want to talk about relationships and how the different challenges and skill sets we have all help each other because i mean you guys help me evolve as much as you know I help you evolve. That's that's the balance of the relationship. The I can't it, really. be a teacher without students, you know. Yeah. So I can't get better at my craft without having people that push me to help them. And to know that I had an impact like that, that makes me understand what I'm doing that much more and appreciate what I do that much more. So I'm I'm glad we got to have this conversation. Same and, here, man. Uh, I hope people understand the value of that and. Uh, if there's anybody out there, especially this is around the holidays, anybody out there that feels like they're in a, in a crowded room all by themselves, understand you're not alone and there's always opportunity if you give yourself the opportunity to recognize it, really more than anything. There's always a way to get better. And there, there's no downside to being who you are. No. No down. The only upsides, really. That's it. Only There's upsides. No, like nothing. What? Oh, the people around you might reject you. Well, they're not really with you anyway. Yeah, they're not really your friends. And it could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. It really can't be anybody. Trust me. There's going to be somebody out there that identifies with you. Go to Comic-Con. You'll figure that one out real fast. <laughs> There's furries for everyone. <laughs> Mike. Brian. Tell people where they can find you. They can find me on Instagram, Mike underscore DePietro1. Why don't you tell the uh, striking instructor from the MMA club where he can find you, because I think he's going to be pissed after this conversation. Oh, he already follows me. (laughs) (laughs) So again, this is Brian Wright, and you can find me at BrianWright732 on Instagram and also on Twitter. Um, You can find me, Brian Wright, on uh, Facebook. You could find me, BrianWright732.com. 
the podcast is the hivecast.com and i have to do a shout out to some of our sponsors uh, i gotta say thank you to alienware to pure spectrum sucker punch entertainment sucker punch entertainment if you're an athlete on the way up in combat sports and you're looking for representation if you're lucky enough to pique their interest uh take them up on their offer they've done nothing but great things for us so this is the hive and we are out later <laughs>